0: Welcome to Spotlight by Plate Crate. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! A podcast that shines some light on amazing people in the baseball
1: world. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. Introducing your host and the founder of Plate Crate, Josh Ben. Hey everybody, welcome to Spotlight, a podcast where we shed some light on people in the baseball and softball community. This could be anyone from players, coaches, entrepreneurs, and anyone who has an interesting story that we can learn from. Uh, Today we have an amazing guest. His name is Jason Ferber. You might know him as Coach Ferber. Coach Ferbs is the founder of Real Ballers National Teams, co-founder of the Evolution Event Series, and certified evaluator for USA Baseball, where they identify players for Team USA. Uh, Coach Ferb's develops young players and streamlines the college recruitment process for them. He also helps them navigate the decisions that go along with the MLB draft. In addition to all of that, uh, he's amassed uh, amassed a fanatical social following by teaching, coaching, uh, and mentoring incredible athletes and sharing his views on coaching. Coach Ferb's, welcome to the show.
2: Josh, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, really, really uh, grateful that 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 you would. Uh reach out and, and, and um, I, lo- I love your stuff at Plate Crate. I actually got um, Melissa, who I know you work with, she, she sent me a bunch of Plate Crate seeds, or sunflower seeds, my guys loved them. I handed them all out. I really appreciate that too. You guys are always like really generous with with with, uh, with with your stuff, which I think it's like, that's like the the spirit of what I like. It's like, give, 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 give. And then, you know, things will come back. You know what I mean? If, if, if you give freely. And so that i was really like when i when you when when she reached out she said hey you want to do a podcast with josh from playground i said hell yeah man thanks so much really appreciate that
1: yeah of course i mean this is this has been a long time coming i mean we talked last year and uh i'm just finally so glad to have you on learn more about you and uh show everyone what you're about you know what i mean so um you're definitely one of our most requested people like when are you gonna have verbs on when are you gonna have them on and i'm like whenever he wants so i'm i'm super pumped to have you on i'm glad we're doing this um but yeah let's get into it i think i think a good place to start is just is just background right you um you know you you've had this long baseball career and coaching and playing so uh take us from the beginning like where did you grow up how'd you get into baseball
2: well i'm uh, i'm from a little neighborhood called coney island in in brooklyn new york <laughs> uh, you might have seen the movie warriors or something one of some of these old some of these old older movies um I was born in '77, so like uh, growing up, it, it looks a lot different now. If you come visit, and, and it's really nice now. I think it's 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 tourist friendly. Um, when they had when they had the hot dog, like the national hot dog eating contest, yeah, Kobayashi and all those guys. I think that the city, when it was attracting hundreds, of, you know, thousands of people to watch this, I think they had to step up the police presence, which mm. was a good thing, right? And um, because it, it it made people feel safe to come to the beach and hang out. But when I was growing up. Um, that was like crack epidemic, yeah, early 80s, um, high crime rate, um, not, not, not a lot. of. And, and my family, I, my family had no money, right? So I went yeah. to PS public school, PS 188. My family was on welfare, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: so I know what that's like. Um, and I was pretty much at that age just trying to figure out uh, where I fit in, um, like most kids that are, you know, 8 to 10, 11, 12 years old and, and trying to figure out like, you know, what am I good at? Right? Like what, what do I have a knack for? Um, certain guys at that time, you know, there's there's so, so many different groups of people, like these little subcultures, right? Not just races and things where it's like, all right, Puerto Rican guys, by the way, I'm I'm half Puerto Rican, half Jewish. <laughs> you used to call me Juan Epstein back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's what I was saying, like, hey man, you Jewish? Or it's like, I think I think yeah. it's not that like people, I think when they go, oh, race isn't important that's not important, like who you are, but it's nice to know like Mm -hmm. where a person's origins are, if you can relate to them in a certain way or whatever. Like I was, um, I think a kid that was searching for like his identity, because when you don't have money, you know, the only currency you have is like things you do well at that age. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't have, like, if you got money, you can just go, Hey man, I got these nice Jordans. I got a nice car, all this other stuff, my family no, but, but so The kids in my neighborhood were like trying to do graffiti, right? They were breakdancing. Some guys were the athletic guys, right? The the basketball guys, the football guys, the baseball. And then, you know, rapping, you know, guys were freestyle. I tried all of those different little subcultures because that's when you do. You you try different things when you grow up. My father was not a baseball guy. My my older brother actually taught me how to play. Um, My father played basketball a little bit. He's a Jewish guy. He looks like you. My father looks like
0: you. <laughs>
2: same, same, same face and everything. Seriously. Yep. Uh, yep. And so, but but um I was glad that I was able to to that that and in one way, you know, you look back and you, you wish that maybe, man, I wish my father would have like taken a lot of time to like throw me BP and hit me ground balls and show me this and that and everything else. But the, the, the flip side of that coin is because he didn't force me one way. I was able to figure that out that process out myself. That's I think real important for young kids. If you take that ability away for them to find out what everybody I believe has a talent some type of that. It might be drawing beautiful artwork, right? It might be playing a piano, but I think I, I really think that people have these things inside them that you just have to locate it. But if I try to force somebody into doing something that I like just because I want them to do it, um you think you're getting ahead, but I feel like you could be falling behind in the other mm-hmm. thing. If you were meant to be Jay-Z, right, I, I use that <laughs> analogy sometimes. And, you know, Jay-Z was not good at basketball or football, right? But he was really good at rapping, right? Mm-hmm. Creating rhymes in his head and spitting them out. If you say, Jay-Z, you're a baseball player, we're going to chase after this. If you didn't allow him to just go out on the street and compete with guys on the street and freestyle rap, maybe he doesn't turn out to be who he is and make a billion dollars doing the same thing he did when he was, you know, 13. So yeah. my first background and introduction to to any kind of baseball related stuff was stickball Mm My brother, you know back in the day you used to gamble like it was a dollar pizza you know like it was a slice of pizza and uh and a a little italian ice is what is is what you had you get it's about a dollar 75 i think you can get like italian ice slice of pizza and a coke or something it's pretty cheap and my and you basically went two on two with guys and it was like you know, you win in a stickball game, the other guy's got to get you a slice of pizza. So that was the first introduction I had um, to any form of like baseball. I, whiffle ball, I played, but stickball was the first thing I, I tried. I fell in love with it right away. And I think the reason I fell in love with it is because like I didn't have a lot of good things going on for me at that time. But you know, like when you get a good feeling, something gives you a good feeling, something that you can look in the mirror and say, like, man, I really like that about myself. Um, I think. I fell in love with that aspect of it, you know, getting picked first on, on a pickup game and, and saying, yeah, yeah, even though I was younger than the other guys, I could still hang with them. That made me feel really good, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and like, there's a lot of other kids that I grew up with that, that if they didn't have a knack for it to start out with, or at least want to get better in practice, they just give up because the feeling of getting picked last is too embarrassing, right? Yeah. I
1: quit,
0: yeah.
2: quit, quit, but that's my first introduction to it.
1: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think like l- looking back at at the way that I played baseball growing up, that you played baseball, I feel like we're kind of losing that a little bit. Maybe I'm just getting older and I have this view of the world, but you know, we, you know, we used to play wiffle ball, we used to play stick ball, we used to go out in the street and just play, and there wasn't so much um so much pressure, right? So like kids that are ten, they're already thinking about the major leagues. When I was ten years old, I was like. I just wanna play baseball. We could play for 10 hours a day down at the field. That's just what we what we were doing. I mean, do you think do you think that, you know, coaching has changed so much? There's such high level coaches out there. There is so much data, so much analytics, which is definitely pushing the game forward. But do you think people are losing kind of that organic way of connecting to baseball, like you did playing stick, uh, uh, stick ball um, or wiffle ball back in the day? Uh, where kids are just pushed into AAU now, do you think people are losing kind of that organic connection, and they're they're way too focused on going pro or exit velo or something, and just not focused on kind of that that pure joy of playing stickball?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the the bot like great players, <clears throat> they have great imaginations, right? And the imagination aspect of becoming great, you want to keep that intact with young guys. But a lot of the reasons that maybe coaches might get frustrated if they just put a kid into an AAU program too early and, and just start specializing him in this one thing and just trying to make the ball come out of his hand a certain way. And you start mm-hmm. focusing on all these little tiny things. We all learn how to get our reads in pickup games in the street. That's where you learn to get reads, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: if, if you are waiting to try to, to like have a, an instructor, like instill instinct, baseball instinct inside of you and you, 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 you know, you're, you're a little bit, gonna, you're going to be a little bit playing catch up. Now, I don't want to sound like one of these guys. It's like, yeah, when we grew up, it was so much better. It's different. I'm good with change and I'm good with adapting change. But when you take everybody off the street, right? Once money comes into play and you can, you can bring everybody off the street and train them inside. <clears throat> um, people are going to, 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 to do that. Um, and, and, I don't say it's necessarily bad because you need indoor facilities. I, I use indoor facilities. It's it's great to have places where you can go and, and practice your craft. It's just that it has to be a nice, the, the balance. I feel like we've lost balance. I don't feel like we've lost like, you know, the, the game, the, the balance of it has become, you know, it's not the mixture of street com- competing with peers, right? With no authority figures. The other side to that coin, Josh, is that the age group thing, like What you lose in street games is that you don't need to be 12 you and born on May, May 13th or May 30th. You don't need, nobody cares. Mm
0: -hmm. Can you play? Yeah.
2: Can you add value here? Do you have heart? Are you, do you have feel? Are you going to be able to come out here on the street with some older guys and not embarrass yourself and get thrown off off the field? Now, if you don't take, if you take all that stuff away, that's when kids lose a little bit of that feel, right? So yeah, in, in dr you can see it like the the kids that are eight years old you see them shagging on the field with guys that are big leaders yeah. right we don't do so much of that right here like usually it's like very organized and it gets to a point where kids view of baseball becomes i have to have an umpire telling me monitoring this game i need my parents in the stands again when you were 12 years old did you act the same exact way around when your parents were watching what you were doing or when you were by yourself with your friends? No,
0: no. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're going to be able to be a little more free. And be yeah. free. the, 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 the idea that you need an authority figures to control everything and you can't go out and, and do it with just a group of guys in your neighborhood. I, I think that that's, that says a lot about, um, you know, just the way that, you don't have to pay every single time you play. You
1: mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. No, I mean, I. Uh, we just used to play so much. We used to play pickle. We used to play um, stickball. And we definitely didn't have the, like, the high level of coaching. We didn't have video. We didn't have any of these kind of high-level analytics. So, that I mean, the game in the last five years even has just changed so dramatically. But I think one thing that, you know, no matter how much analytics, how much data, whether you're a coach in the 80s or now, kind of the same principles always stay behind a coach you know you might be teaching different things you might be using different tools but at the end of the day teaching is teaching teaching you know people have been teachers for thousands and thousands of years and i think that kind of you know people have certain principles that they're coached by so i want to bring up um it was a quote you had in just in in a, in a blog article and you said you know i would take a video of one of my guys during front toss or something and send it in a group chat and ask for suggestions like what do you like what do you not like and, um, you know, it seems like you get to know your players so personally, and it's, it's not like binary, like you pay me for a lesson, I give you feedback. And then if you're not paying me, we're not friends. It, it seems like you just have such great relationships with players. And I just wanted to know, you know, is that something you consciously facilitate? And, you know, what is that process? You know, cause I just feel like you're so good at that.
2: That's it's it's the number one thing that I'm after. That's probably, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it, that it stands out. Um, and I'm, I'm real, um, it's, it's, uh, it makes me feel good that, that, that other people see the bond that's, that you can create with a kid. Um, because I took a little bit of a different approach than I saw a lot of, um, other guys around me doing, or, and, and just what I had experienced growing up. I tried to think about, you know, what made, what drove me to, 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 to be passionate, wake up every day, you know, passionate about what I was doing. And like, I remember that the teachers I had in school, um, the ones that adapted to the personality of the students, generally that's my dishwasher going, I don't know if you can. Oh, that's, that's,
1: that's fine. That's fine. We we can go right (laughs) through it. Like,
2: Like, like, I, I feel like, um, the the best teachers that i had were the ones that um connected with me on a on a personal level i i tried harder to in their classroom in the classroom because i knew they cared Mm -hmm. the guys that were really blase and just kind of like monotone and just went through the whole thing like here's your syllabus go do it right i could Mm -hmm. never connect with those guys um i also feel like you know one of the things that allows me to do that is because I'm not trying to grow a travel baseball organization, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're trying to grow and make a lot of teams, travel teams, or just make multiple teams, I don't know if necessarily that's how the game was designed, right? Because I can either make a big impact on a few people or a very little impact on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So if, if I was trying to make keep growing like a lot like there are there are um, places out there that are trying to just grow 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 expand 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 10 teams 20 teams 30 teams 40 teams right Mm -hmm. i had two teams at one time uh, two years ago and when i made the decision to say instead of going growing i'm gonna go cut back i'm going to one team and i don't even it's not even considered an organization to me it's a team right Mm -hmm. it's 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 not if, if, when you, once you classify something as an organization, that means you're like, implies you're trying to have sustainable amounts of revenue streams coming in. And so when I get a bunch of people, I can't put the individual attention on each kid. Right. And the first thing I need in order to make any kind of impact on anyone is trust. That's Mm -hmm. for me. Right. It starts at that first line of honesty. Right. So like when coaches, I didn't feel like they had my back, but would try to tell me to do something growing up, I would half-ass it, right? I'd be like, all right, cool, I'll yes them. Yep, all right, I'll try that. As opposed to a guy that I know, he, the only reason he's out here is because he wants to see me shine on a baseball field. His heart is true, like I, and you can feel that energy. It's undeniable, right? You know, kids are smart, right? So if I'm just trying to collect a check and I'm out here and I'm not engaged, um if I am uh you you know giving pointing out like whispering everybody's like like about their accomplishments but like shouting out their failures like Drake said in that song shout out people's failures and whisper their accomplishments it's like like, (laughs) all I'm here to do is find flaws in little kids and be like nope that's wrong nope that's wrong nope that's wrong yeah it's wrong what's the fix what's the suggestion Mm -hmm. it's like the exact same thing and why trust is so important Josh is because if I, if I never met you before and I just saw you on the street and I said, Hey man, like I listened to your, I listen to your uh, podcast. Like, this is what you should do, man. You need like a different microphone. You also need to get like, you need to get some graphics and do this and that. And I was giving you business suggestions. Yeah. Like, all right, man. Thanks bro. I appreciate that. Now, if me and you, like we talk a couple of times a week for a year, two years. And you're constantly helping me, I'm constantly helping you. And one day I say, hey man, you might want to, I was looking at your podcast and you might want to try like a different, there's some reverb or something on you. Mm-hmm. You would be like, oh, thanks Ferbs, I appreciate that. It's, there's a reason why certain people we trust and we take their suggestions and another reason why you don't. I think a lot of baseball guys think that because they've played at a certain level, mm-hmm. I made it to the big leagues. Now you listen to what I say. You're in, you, you should be honored to be in my presence, <laughs> right?
1: yeah no, I mean, I, I've seen that all the time too. and I think I think one of the things that's um, that's really come out with all the analytics, all the video, all the social media, what's come out is is you know, 10, fifteen years ago, you almost had to be in the big leagues to have any type of credibility. Now I feel like that's not the case at all. You have to really, I mean, trusting um, building trust and caring about your your students um, should be a prerequisite. it's It's not, but it should be. But in addition to that, like, I feel like anyone that really wants to learn hitting has all the the data and information in front of them to really make an impact on kids' lives. So what I'm seeing is like the best hitting coaches out there that I love to follow. They didn't even play in the big leagues. They might have played indie ball. They might have played minor leagues. But, you know, there's there's people who can play. And there's people who, who can coach, obviously you need a base level understanding of how to play baseball. You need to, you need to have played it at a certain level to understand a lot of the intricacies of the game. But there's big leaguers that have like amazing swings, amazing work ethic, everything. But if you can't communicate that simply to people, then, you know, that that's your job is, is your communicator. And I think that's one of the things you also do really well is, is communicate. And, you know, this might be a long version of a question, but, um, you know, I think you do a really great job personalizing and and to speak with, to what you said, like every lesson you come to, if you're just constantly telling kids what they're doing wrong, what they're doing wrong. I think like the misconception is if you go to a barber and you ask them if you need a haircut, they're going to say, yes, if you're going to a lesson, people want to give you value. So they're going to say, these are the three things wrong with your swing. So you know, I love doing lessons. I've done lessons for so long. Um, you know, a lot of the guys I've done them with are, are now in college or even graduated. And, you know, I would just preface everything with like, just cause I'm saying this doesn't mean it's, it's something's wrong with your swing. It's just, it's just something conceptual to think about. It's something that we can work on. It's something that could improve, but it doesn't mean that, like your swing's bad or, or it's wrong. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches don't, um, get that personalized and I've seen you do that. So, you know, how important is personalization to your players, right? You have this overarching theory, like either I'm a, you know, rotational hitter, linear hitter. hitter, hitter. Um, you talked about, um, you know, leg kick, no leg kick. Like there's all these different theories, but if you can't communicate that and personalize that to the player, I don't think it, it holds any, any weight or any value. So how do you, how do you get to know players so you can personalize their hitting better?
2: Um, I think that, you know, first of all, the way that we talk to each other um, has a huge impact difference in just the reception, the, how, how receptive people are to it.
0: Mm-hmm. What, some
2: of the two most important words that I use coaching um, guys individually is what if, right? What, mm-hmm. what if has, has that, those two words sometimes create the absolute best scenario, best drills, because what you're doing is instead of saying, no, that's not it. You need to do this. If you just say, what if we tried this and try to move this way,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the player himself in his mind, it kind of gives him the, the power to say, what if, well, what if it happens? Okay, let's see it. No, it didn't work. All right, what if we did this? And when they unlock it and they go, they kind of execute the drill a certain way after um, you, 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 it's more of a suggestion than telling them what to do. Um, I think that's one way to just, just by the way we communicate. Now, the other thing is if we're not talking the same language, right. I'm never going to get anything across. It's never going to make an impact Mm -hmm. because what like I've tried this before and Lance Wheeler, my friend, he talks about it too. Like if I take 10 kids, right. And, and, and I I line them all up and I say, ask them, what does stay back mean to you? Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody says anything. They just go around. or actually have them write it on a piece of paper. Right. What does stay back mean to you? One kid is going to say, um, let the ball travel. One's going to say, Oh, keep my hands back. One's going to say like, oh, keep my weight on my back leg. One's going to like, so my version of what staying back is and, and what another person is, we have to be talking the same language, first of all. So I have to get to know the player enough to know what language he speaks, mm-hmm. right? I had a, when I first started coaching, I'm so thankful when I first started coaching and people see 138,000 followers on Instagram, they see Plate Crate, Josh Ban, like, wow, this is a big thing, but <laughs> they don't see the beginning, yeah. right? And that's one of the things I'm grateful that you brought me on here for, because the beginning for me with coaching was volunteering, no money.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: was interested in knowing if it was something that I could actually do is help guys develop young players, Dominican kids that don't speak a word of English that I knew, a cu- I knew a guy that was um, he ran a fruit stand in Brooklyn right here. And I used to always go and get, ma- I, get, get mangoes and different fruit from them. He said that my son and a couple of his friends are here from DR right? For the summer. Um, I see, you know, thrown in a park or whatever. Can, can, my, can, my, can my kids come out and I'll try to I'll pay. I said, listen, if I'm going to be out here from nine, nine to 12 or whatever. Just have them come down. We'll mess around a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, trying to communicate what you want to get done without having, with a language barrier. Talk about challenging as a coach, right? And figuring out different ways of like, touching a guy's shoulder or his hip or like showing him something and using, um, you know, that, that's when you're talking about do players have aptitude? You, you can find out. And aptitude is simply um, the ability to see something and repeat it and execute it. If you're not a fast learner in baseball, if, you're, if you can't see something and, and try to mirror what that's happening, it's going to be a real tough journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you also find out who, who learns more with audio stuff and who learns more visual stuff. Right there's a big there's a big difference there. Um, what what? But but the good news is this is that if you're open-minded, like if I'm open-minded, I think that's the number one key to becoming a great coach. Because once I have gotten to a point where I have the all the answers, anybody that has all the answers to me at this point is a suspect. They're not yeah. impressive. That's not impressive. That's a suspect. It's impossible to know everything about baseball, right? So so and even like minor things. I mean, the, for me, a key is, you know, like in the beginning, um, I was super worried when I was working with young hitters and developing them, um, and trying to figure out the best way to teach a swing or individualize a swing or just keep a kid shining on a baseball field. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to be overly concerned with what other coaches and other batting cages next to me when I would be doing a certain drill, they were thinking about how i was teaching or the drill i was teaching yeah to a point of like insecurity and like looking over and being like is this guy he's he's been coaching for like 10 years i wonder if he thinks this is foolish
0: Mm -hmm.
2: once i found out in myself that wait a second that's the most dumbest thing i could ever think i'm not (laughs) i'm not coaching coaches i'm coaching players i need to worry about player feedback Mm -hmm. i don't care about coaches feedback yeah share ideas with coaches Um, send them swings and say, what do you see and help out with guys that I've up. That's great. But once I start valuing a coach's information that I've never even met him before, there's no coach like on the planet that if I haven't met him, looked him in the eye, don't know what kind of man he really is. Haven't had a conversation with him. He can't judge me. I don't, I don't care. His opinion is literally just that just an opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a, everybody's got an opinion. So Once I got freed myself up of being worried about it and I could go, wait a second, this drill right here, me doing this, this drill is going to help this guy move the way that I want him to move. And as long as the player says, man, I like that. Like I feel my swing. I feel different. I don't care what anybody does. You can do head spins and and say the alphabet backwards. I don't care what you do. If it's helping your player and there's a purpose behind it, I'm in.
1: Yeah, man, I (laughs) I just related to that so hard. Like you saw me just kind of throw my head back and laugh. Cause, cause I remember like, I, you know, that's all I did when I played, when I was in Indie ball, like I I told you before, when we hopped on this call, um, I, you know, to make ends meet, I did personal training. I shoveled snow, I poured concrete, but like I did lessons. I did. I, I was just knocking out lessons. And, um, and I just really wanted my players to just get better. I don't care if you were trying to make your JV team or you were, you know, or you were eligible for the draft. And I remember like, probably like six, seven years ago when, you know, I used to follow like Bobby Tewksbury and it was, you know, Josh Donaldson was just popularizing this new type of like swing sequencing. It was so different than what we grew up with. Um, You know, and everyone, every instructor in the cage was like feet, hands, knees, knuckles, knob, answer the phone, squish the bug, stride, like don't move your head, down to the ball, through the tunnel, up the hill, squish the bug. Like these things are like so ingrained in, in some, you know, in, in our generation and, um, in our heads, like anyone before the last 10 years. And, uh, and a couple of coaches came up to me and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Cause I was teaching them kind of like how to, how to, you know, scat pinch and and, and how their hips should, um, should sequence before their hands and like all these, all these different things that I thought was just so, so new and, and so correct. Right. Like it, it took me a while to, to learn how to actually swing like I always tell people I was like I didn't learn I didn't learn how to hit a ball until like my third year of indie ball <laughs> like I had no idea it was crazy so and I just felt like so judged and um and I remember getting over that moment and I was like you know what like I'm constantly studying this I'm, I'm I'm like going to people I'm 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 asking people I'm spending my own money like paying for programs to learn this stuff and I'm like they they don't they don't they don't really care that much and that was kind of the breaking point for me I was like you know what uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to care <laughs> what anyone says. This is, this is how I want my kids to move. And, and right. eventually two years later, they all hopped on board like, Oh yeah, Josh was doing the right things this whole time.
2: Well, what I, what I, one of the things that um, I like about the data part of it um, for me is, you know, not looking at a bunch of numbers that nothing comes out of it. Like collecting data just to, for the sake of collecting data is for me, no better than 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 teaching squish you're not really doing anything i mean
0: yeah
2: there there but what i like about data is it shows the exact it shows if what you're doing is actually making an improvement mm-hmm. right there's there's hard numbers that can show if if i am repeating you know this sequence and this is how i moved this is the result i got mm-hmm. if i'm not tracking that if i don't have the ability to track that there's no way to quantify whatever you're doing in the cage is working or not working. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm practicing something bad for an hour a day, you know, that doesn't make me better. Right. It makes me worse. Yeah. As much as, as much as um, I enjoy, you know, being creative and thinking outside the box, there is also a level that it gets to a point when you're, when you see guys out there that are trying to do crazy tricked out drills that you don't even see big leaguers do doing and they're doing it with seven and eight year olds that have no body awareness then then it looks to a point like a seven or eight year old to me um putting them in specialized training like with an instructor i feel like that's a little bit young for me maybe some other people have different opinions i i know that people have reached out a lot of guys reach out dads these days and i want to put this out there to make sure and they say Hey, is there any way you can work with my son? And I'm like, how old is he? He's like, he's seven, but he really loves to play. Wait a second. guys. (laughs) I I say, I say like, you know, you're watching me in a group of pro hitters, like do a, do drills and things with pro guys and stuff, you know, at a young age, um, at seven or eight, um, the drills that I would be doing with your son, you could be doing with your son. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, I'll like give you what I would be doing, get some ping pong bowls and throw them at him. you know, yeah. like make him feel great. Make him feel great about just like dropping bombs. Like, man, you really crushed that man. Like yeah. make, make him dream so big and feel so great that it's just the, the, the greatest game on there's nothing he would rather be doing. And by the time that kid's about 12 or 13 and he loves to practice as much as he loves to play, you did your job, man. You can back up. And just let him go. You don't have to be overbearing. You don't have to overcoach him. You don't have to tell him anything because if he loves it more than anything, he's gonna practice. He's gonna enjoy the practice as much as he enjoys the game. So that's why I was. That's why I would say, with, as far as that stuff goes, you got to be real, real careful about you know, like charging a kid that's seven years old money to to. To create a better swing path i can't do it maybe and i listen i don't want to say there's nobody out there that can that can't that can't do it because anything's possible i guess i just have felt like they don't understand when you try to teach something to a kid that has no body awareness Mm -hmm. the adjustment's not made he never makes the adjustment it's just you looking at things and thinking like yeah that's it like no that's not it
1: yeah yeah well like even with i think I've asked a few people, like, what advice do you get? Cause I mean, I had, I had people who would come up to me and they're like, can you fix my daughter's swing? She's six. And I'm like, uh, no, (laughs) I can't fix your daughter's swing. Is she having fun playing softball? Like that's the question you should be asking. But I think like with, with really young kids, like that don't have that body awareness that don't have that, um, that kind of granularity in their mechanics it's just kind of being results focused. How many line drives can you hit in a row? Like, that's a result, right? Can you hit the top right part of the cage if you're a righty? Like, that's a game for for a kid that, you know, the, the result of it might be by happenstance, great mechanics, um, but that's not the focus. The focus is is fun. Like, it's it, baseball is a game, and you can make it a game in the cage. Um, and if,
2: if, a kid's, if a kid's seven years old, I think one of the best exercises I, I would give him is, like, who's your favorite team? Uh, the red Sox, it's the yankees whoever it is all right show me every single guy's stance and every single guy swinging the whole lineup see if you can mimic every single guy swinging i love that you know that that type of stuff is is what is what's going to ultimately play and and for for, for me anyway and like you know a lot of times um you know what we miss out on is something called uninstructed learning right Mm -hmm. uninstructed learning is is the one is some we retain some of the most information when it's uninstructed learning. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. If I'm 13 years old walking around in Brooklyn with my friends, right, and there's pretty girls walking down the street with their boyfriend, and like I say something to one to to a girl in a in like a disrespectful way, or say something that's just like, hey girl, hey sweet, something like that, mm-hmm. whistle, and like people like are telling me like, hey, like, don't, don't do that because somebody's going to get mad. You're going to get beat up. Right. (laughs) But Doing it. I maybe not learn. And nine out of 10 guys would just go keep walking. And then one guy might just come up to me and punch me in my face for doing it. That's (laughs) never happened to me personally, but that's uninstructed learning. After I get punched in my face, I go, wait a second. That's not how that's actually not. Okay. Right now, the same way we're talking about hitting and over drilling a young kid into mm-hmm. specializing him um, in doing and do this. Like if you're telling a kid to do something after every single swing he takes, that's not a good thing. That's over coaching, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like if you if you take, and people always give video games a bad rap, right? All these kids they do is play video games. I'm okay with video games. I know plenty of guys that are my pro guys. They still play. I know, yeah. I know guys in the big leagues, they play. They just handle their work first and then they play, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> if you think about video games video games is competing right Mm -hmm. having fun and competing right you can judge it all you want but the difference is you know like a a 13 year old kid he doesn't need a video game coach like a Mm -hmm. personalized video game coach to tell him like hey man go get that box over there now unlock that thing now shoot that guy over there or somebody over his shoulder telling him that
0: Mm -hmm. no
2: he loves the video game he wants to level up so he just sits there for hours and hours and hours and figures out different things you can do that with you and your brother you can do that with you and your friend in a hit in a, in a batting cage mm-hmm. figure it out right and mm-hmm. spend hours and hours unlocking that next level and going, man i know how now i can drive that ball to right field and if it's out front i could blast left. like that's that, that's what i mean
1: yeah man i love it um so i got i got a couple more questions and then what we're gonna do we'll go i have like a rapid fire question list that i ask everybody i added like a couple more to yours because you're you're more of a hitting coach and you, and you really know, you know, you really know baseball. So I have like a, I have a tough one that's like, it, it sounds easy, but it's kind of tough, but I have a couple more and then we'll, we'll go into rapid fire, which I love. Um, okay. You know, we're, we're basically, we're talking about coaching, right? You, you're, you're a great coach and we're really trying to get to, you know, how do you become a great coach? What's, what, what are you looking for in a great coach? What's important? So, um, you know, what I, what I really want to know about you is, is what do you get out of coaching? What's important to you? Like, wh- why are you a coach?
2: You know, that is a great question. And to like, just fire something out like that is, and just say, you know, without, I know one of the things that I think I really enjoy is like the, my guys that are in college now that I trained when they came in, when they were in ninth grade and I took them through the high school process, they, they're in the college that we, they did the recruitment process for them. I get a, a DM or a text or they just send me a funny meme Right, like just mm. just and just say, hey, Ferb's, how you doing today? L- look at that. look how funny this is, right? <laughs> like, those little things really, I think, are some of my favorite things. Like, not even Christmas and 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 holidays, but just random days, you get a random text from a random player saying, hey, coach, how you doing today? I was just thinking about you. That's that's the stuff that I love, but because I I value the relationship aspect about it more. Baseball, I love the game. I mean, and uh, more than anything in the world except my wife I and mean, you know <laughs> that type of stuff but but you know like you know you know how that is so i think that's one of the things is just having that the, having the the guys reach out like randomly and stuff like that that makes you feel good
1: yeah that's awesome i mean i i was the uh you know while i was playing i I was the assistant coach at a juco and it's like having like 15 little brothers like they're 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 like a few years behind you They they have the same questions they were basically you at that age and uh, I just always felt great when they asked me this question about anything other than baseball, like baseball, we talk about all day, but when they're like, um, you know, if they want to talk about school, they want to talk about um, relationships or, or anything that's going on. I just felt so, so honored. And it feels like, feels like you're the same way. I mean, baseball, it, it gives a lot back to you, but the number one thing is relationships. You know what I mean? If, it's- I,
2: if, I, if I wasn't getting those calls at all, I would probably try to re-examine, like, am I really connecting with, with my players or... Am I just trying to go out and win games? I mean, is it or is it just for me to feel good about, you know, being able to be around guys as a, as a sport? And listen, I'm not judging anybody for anything. I don't like to judge anybody because, listen, I've done so much. Like, I have no place to judge anyone, right? I made a lot of mistakes. Um, but because there could be guys out there that are, are coaching baseball that aren't super high-level guys, but they're working with kids that otherwise would be involved in gangs and selling drugs. And if it's a, a valid option, not everybody has to become a first rounder for, for baseball to make a huge impact on them. If a kid has, is at home and, he, and his dad's an alcoholic and his mom is, you know, not there at all or whatever it is. And he's he has a learning disability at school and he can't read well or something like that. And not being some he doesn't have to be Mike Trout, but man, he could feel, he could feel good about himself just like a baseball player. can, just by being involved, being around a team of guys that cares about you and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different ways to, to utilize it. Um, but, but, but I think that's one of the biggest ones for me.
1: That's awesome, man. I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love that I have the opportunity to just ask you these questions <laughs> and, uh, and you have to answer them. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, this is fantastic. Um, all right. So we're going to go into rapid fire. Um, I say rapid fire. There's no time limit. It doesn't you can take as long as you want to answer these. Um, There's a few of them, and then we'll hand the mic over. And I want everyone after this podcast to go follow you and support you and and just keep getting to know you like I have. And and I've just really enjoyed it. So first question, um, this is kind of the one I said, it's harder than it seems, or maybe it's real. maybe it's much easier than it seems. I don't know. Um, But uh, question number one, describe how to hit a baseball in under 60 seconds.
2: Vision, body rhythm, be on time.
1: Be on time. Vision, body rhythm, be on time. So you think those are the three most prioritized things that maybe? Do you think all hitters should prioritize those three things, or it maybe some players prioritize them naturally?
2: Well, you. If, if, if I don't have vision, I I can't play. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. So I have to start there. Right. I have, I have to have some type of, uh, some type of vision. Um, you know, you could put in like some other ones in there, like effort level is a big mm-hmm. one for me. Right. So can can I, do I know how hard I'm swinging? Do I have enough awareness to understand like how hard I'm swinging a bat or how easy I need to right. So, so you know, a lot of the things that we lose from in the cage to on the field, like if somebody was good enough, and I, I hope one day, because the breakdown of what people in the hitting world is, is the guys that are in the cage working on mechanical things and trying to improve guys' swing swing path and their, and their movement. And then what's going on in the game when it's unpredictable um, and, and we have adrenaline going. And the problem is what we really need, if we want to figure this stuff out, is you need to get a heart rate monitor or a pulse rate Mm -hmm. monitor um, and put it on a guy when he's taking swings off a tee by himself or this instructor. Then you need to see what that looks like um, in regular BP, keep that heart rate monitor on him um, in a a, a regular, in a game, in a practice setting live, and then keep it on him with a man on second base um, with uh, in the last inning tie game and he's, it was two outs. So if we get, because when we become like, adre- when the adrenaline gets aroused, let's just say in our body, I really do think that it's going to affect and impact how we move. And mm-hmm. other people just go, "Oh no, it hasn't," because they can't measure it. Yeah, so a lot of the data guys don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. right? But we're never going to get a clear snapshot of what happens if we're not talking about w- what what state of mind I'm in. In, in a batting cage and what state of mind I'm in when my all my all my kids on my team are going yeah hit a rocket let's go right totally yeah, yeah totally different state of mind and yeah. the same reason Josh it's like it's like why why is it that you could sit and shoot free throws in your driveway mm-hmm. like you know 5,000 of them and hit like seven out of ten every time you hit it, eight out of ten like just a regular free throw or a basketball play and then you know tie game you get fouled with one second left. You just have to hit one out of two and guys miss them both. Yeah. Why why is that? It's because it has nothing to do with your your mechanics. Mm -hmm. you know, it it does have something to do with your mechanics and how they break down. You know, it's the same exact one in the driveway. You just backspin that ball, just loft it up and you're good and it'll bounce around or swish. But like, if, if we're not monitoring that stuff, it becomes real hard to gauge, like say, what is that hitting? But me, I have to simplify and go see ball, hit ball, is 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 best for me. And I feel like after we get all this clutter, and this is what happens as guys listen to different coaches, different hitting coaches, different suggestions. All these guys may be well intended, right? Very mm-hmm. may well be well intended. They want to they want to help you. We get to a point where there's you're collecting clutter and you're collecting more clutter and more clutter. And then when you get into like and then you get all the way, I talk to guys that are in the big leagues and they're trying to just unclutter everything. Their whole goal is to get everything out of their head. And it's like, man, like how, how do you, how do you teach and do all this stuff without cluttering someone's mind with things that don't really matter?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the person that comes to mind, like instantly is, is Altuve. I mean, you can talk about mechanics, but clearly his swing isn't stemmed from mechanics. It's, 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 it's STEM. I mean, he talks about, he's like, the only thing I think about is, is, is my hips. He's like, that's all I think about is my hips. He naturally, I mean, he clearly has fantastic mechanics, but I mean, when, when he unlocks on a ball, people, people might call it athleticism. People might call it great mechanics, but I mean, I feel like I'll, and he's one of the first people that come to mind. Mookie Betts is another person that comes to mind. They're just, they're those free baseball players, Bellinger, that are just so unlocked and, uh, and people that, you know, Two seconds before the, the the pitch comes in, you have this this strategy, right? You have this goal to uh, to hit like a you know an oppo line drive or something. And you're sticking to that strategy, and then like a tenth of a second before the ball comes in, you're like, I'll try to hit it out. <laughs> like, like that that tenth of a second, I feel like that people lose focus. Um, no one really talks about that. You can't measure that in mechanics at all. I mean, that is that's not measured.
2: There's so many things that people don't take into consideration. Like for instance you know, people that when, when, when the, when the pitch velocity, right. Mm-hmm. Get to a certain point where it could cause damage to a human, right. Like, like,
0: yeah, I
2: don't think a 40 or 50 mile an hour pitch can break a bone. Right. Yeah. I think that I don't even think an 80 mile an hour pitch, and maybe if it's 80 and it hits you on your elbow, like perfectly, you know, but once you start getting into 93, 94, 95, 96, you're talking about, skipping through protection mode of humans and mm-hmm. going going straight to performance mode. We want to skip protection and go to performance. Now, great to say that. How do you do that? How do you keep your mechanically sound swing you've been working on when now a dude that could kill you, literally, <laughs> right? Is yeah. Yeah. It's similar as a boxers that are, their technique is Lawless in the, in the, when they're in the training environment, now the guy's actually trying to attack them and they want to cover up. And if they're out of sync, they're out of breath, they can't control their breathing. These are innate things that go on in humans. And, and so like, if you ask 10 people on the street here in New York city, Hey, um, what do you think? I give you a helmet and uh, I'm going to have a Raleigh Chapman, just stand in and take some swings off Rollins Chapman. Like, listen, he's pretty good. He's got control, but there is a chance that he could kill you. Like there is yeah. <laughs> people will be like, what are you crazy? I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? Right. But there's it's this not other, worth it. There's this <laughs> other group of people, those Bellingers and those guys that we we're talking about that they would rather be doing nothing else. than yeah. doing it. It's, it, it, it's not, I don't know if you can teach something like that, but I believe again, that starts at a young age, right. And, and mm-hmm. getting guys to, to a, that's a mindset. That's not, and, and if you don't, we don't work on the, 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 the mindset aspect and aspect and the instinct, all the other stuff, it almost doesn't matter. Mhm. I think competing comes before mechanics. I guess to make a long story short.
1: I love that, and I mean the first way to learn is to be aware of it. And I think if you're just bring this awareness and this attention to it, I think that's the very first step. People might say my my mechanics break down; it's a mechanical problem. But you're saying you know it it might be a competitiveness problem. And and just even listening to you say that, um, it just brings attention. It makes you think about um, you know hitting in a whole different way. I think that's super cool. I I, I think a lot of people should really really think about how you know what bucket they fall in and really think about it not just immediately say i'm competitive really think about it
2: well for the parents um, and play- real quick josh i, I just want to put this out there i think it can help yeah you. go for it for the parents and players right that if you feel like you're having that issue where you're trying to question um you know am i really competing or am i not because at a young age it's tough to know that and be self-aware um what, just to just to understand how we approach this competing versus mechanics thing with my players If they're struggling and they are in a slump, let's just say, okay, Mm -hmm. I think early on in my coaching career, we would have focused on how the bat was coming through the zone if they were early or if they were late. Um, Were you missing under the ball? Were you missing over the ball? And try to fix these things as they come up. Um, Those mechanical things now are like three and four steps back. I found things that were more important to help this guy break out of a slump. And the most important thing that I've found is that um, we all have an athlete core belief system, okay? Every one of us, if you're an athlete or you're a player of any sport, you have a core belief system. This is things that when you, you know about yourself that you value yourself, and you know um, how you feel on the inside, right? And so if, it has my value system and my core beliefs stayed intact through this 30 game stretch, have they stayed intact? Do I still believe in myself and my ability to compete with my peers and add value on this team? Do I still believe that? Or is that a little bit wavering now? Am I questioning how good I am? Am I questioning if I should be playing this sport, if I mm-hmm. should quit? Um, am, I, am I questioning, is it a, am I allowing the outcome of what happens change my perception of who I am? Mm-hmm. That's a big, big problem. If I'm waiting for an outcome to tell me how good I am at something, I got, I got, I, especially in this game, we got problems, right? So we, we, I, I go back to the beginning and ask my guys, like when they have bad games and they, I know they're clearly off, like, what were you feeling like in pregame? Did you feel like a beast, like an animal?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What happened? Well, no, I got, you know, I, I got some problems at school right now. My dad flamed me because I'm thinking about what's going on. I got, I got, I failed a test and I'm grounded for the next two weeks. mhm well, okay. That's or, or yo, know, my 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 girlfriend just left me for the quarterback of the football team. There's no mechanics that's going to change that. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's no mechanics that's going to change yeah. that. We have to get in touch with you know when I look in the mirror and and do I do I like what I see? Number one, you know what I mean. And can I be myself? Can I be free? Can I quiet noise down? Right? Can I have some zen around me and feel like everything slows down and a ball looks like a cantaloupe? Or do they look like little aspirins coming at me and I'm just emergency swinging, like the last second, oh, just flailing. Mm-hmm. Like swinging at sliders in the dirt, taking fastballs down the middle. You know, So there's a lot of stuff that we go through before the mechanical stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, cool, so next question. It's gonna lead back into what we're saying. So um, what it, what's one small piece of advice, any baseball player, regardless of age, uh, they could be pro, little league, anywhere, What's one piece of advice any ball player could benefit from today?
2: A piece of advice that any ball player could benefit from today. Um, Today's day and age. I believe that the, the comparisons of, of who we compare ourselves to, they're not normal. They're not rational. You know what I mean? Like the, when I was growing up and when you were growing up, maybe I didn't, I don't, I didn't have to look at every single kid that committed to Vanderbilt every time I went home.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't
2: have to, I didn't have to see that. Yeah. I, I was concerned with being the best guy in my neighborhood.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That was it. I just wanted to be the best out of 500 guys running around, whatever. Who's the best baby, a couple of teams in the area, who are the mm-hmm. guys I'm comparing myself to you know in caveman days i'm comparing myself to this village that i'm in who is the strongest guy in this village who can throw the rock the or the spear the furthest in this village Mm -hmm. i'm not comparing myself to people in california and hawaii and japan and and this dude's throwing 96 in, in high school and you know i wasn't i wasn't i didn't have to deal with all that stuff so if i can manage to like set realistic, tiny, tiny goals because confidence, I think the main thing that we, that we want to get us that would help guys is the confidence aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's where everything begins with like, with like becoming great at something is I'm confident. I can do this in front of people. People clap for me. I like when people clap for me, right? I'm an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Can I be confident about that type of stuff? And it's like, if I set small, tiny attainable goals, right? I'm going to get more confident. If I set crazy, unrealistic goals about becoming committed to Vanderbilt when I'm in ninth grade, every time I lie to myself or I say, every time I say I'm going to get my work in today, I'm Mm going to start my, I'm going to start training. I'm practicing like a professional. Now I'm going to chase this down and I don't go practice that day. And I just sit at home or I go hang out with my girlfriend or I go watch some TV. And I don't, that's lying to yeah. myself the most important person every time i lie to myself about who i am i'm a baseball player no you're just having fun with it just be mm-hmm. honest with yourself i'm just here to have fun so i don't need to train and practice with every, with all you guys and act like i'm somebody on social media i'm just mm-hmm. doing it for fun yeah you know, i think i think being honest with yourself with, with ourselves is is where where it really could help a lot of baseball players and figure out like, is this something I really want to chase down and get after? Or am I going to be too concerned with what other people are doing and
1: thinking? Yeah, I love that. I mean, just self-awareness, right? Like who who are you? And and like the question we had before, why are you a coach? Like you clearly have such a clear like intention of why you're a coach and it and it just leads everything else. And I think when people don't have that self-awareness of, you know, you know, why are they doing this? Why am I here? Um, do I really need to go to Vandy or is that just what, you know, people have, have told me, or, or I'm just comparing myself to people on Instagram. Like you're saying, you have that, that comparison. Um, man, yeah, I, I think, that's- I,
2: think gosh, I think that's a huge reason also uh, that when people, a lot of older guys or coaches, they misunderstand what I'm doing on Instagram or what I'm mm-hmm. trying to do. A lot of people don't get it. And the reason they don't get it is because it wasn't designed to be like some huge page. It was literally, the, the point of the page was to connect my team. It started with 14 kids, the kids that were mm-hmm. on my team. I didn't strategically make it. I didn't have this plan of like, you know, I'm gonna build this page. I didn't really care. What happened was I had kids that were spread out that couldn't come to practice because they weren't, so I needed to connect them with each other, Yeah. right? And so instead of sending texts back and forth about, about know check out this guy like like check this out check this out the guys were like hey can we just like one of my players was like why don't you just make a page and then us 14 can follow it and then our phones won't blow up and we can just you know we can learn who each other are that way once i did that i was just messing around with them i was Mm -hmm. giving them nicknames hey frankie eyelashes you know joey coffee cake you know (laughs) just messing around you know and, and and then started putting music on it and things like that It was for the players. It wasn't for coaches. It wasn't for anybody else. It was to Mm -hmm. entertain my players and get them to know each other. So here's the mistake that I think I I could have made, which thank God I didn't, is that as you go through the process and more followers start to come and more people start to see, now the same exact thing that I was doing in the very beginning I'm doing now, but people are judging you for it. Nobody Mm -hmm. cares when you have 300 followers. Nobody cares what you're doing. Yeah, Nobody gives gives two you know what's about. What, how you're developing players. As Soon as you get more followers or something, I don't know why that is, but they start judging for things like the music that I put mm. on, you know, a lot of people criticize that. A lot of older people will say, you play hip hop music. It has the N word in it. It has this, I said, listen, I respect it, but here's the thing. If I deviate from what the original is, those are that's the music that my players listen to. Mm. I'm not lying, I'm not here hitting- if I try to put Johnny Cash or some country music on there, <laughs> Some dude from Alabama, Josh, is going to say, Ferb, this guy's a phony. He's from Brooklyn. He's yeah. listening to Jay-Z and Notorious B. He's trying to please somebody. That's why yeah. I got to, even though, and my wife sometimes will tell me goes, hey, you know, those words are a little bit aggressive, Jason. You know how your wife will yeah. talk to you? A little bit yeah. aggressive. They <laughs> got small kids on there I so said, I understand and I respect it, but I can't please everyone. So yeah. I just got to stick true to who you are.
1: I love it. I love it, man. Um, what's What's the best advice you've ever received? It doesn't have to be baseball. It doesn't have to be, Anything related to baseball, it could be, but but just what's the best advice for you personally?
2: Um, that's really that's a good one. The best advice. One time, um, what really what really stuck with me. Well, there's two, but I'm gonna give you one because that's the question. My my father told me one time if 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 you don't if you don't think you're gonna know this person in five years, ditch them, ditch them fast.
0: Mm, yeah. Keep,
2: keep stepping. Because, it, 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 because if, if, if I feel like our relationship is going to matter in five years from now, whatever it is I'm doing, will it matter in five years? Um, I'm going to invest time and energy into building that and growing that. If it's just flashing the pan and this and that, and I'm just using you, then use it as a transactional thing. Mm-hmm. Transa- there's transactional relationships, right? Where I give you money, you give me goods and services, very surface level. Then there's mm-hmm. transformational relationships, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Where
2: it might start even as a transactional relationship, but it turns into something a lot bigger than just exchanging goods and services for stuff, right? So that's one of the things. that's like if it's gonna matter in five years, I put my I put, I put energy into it.
1: I love that. That that's really good advice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I yeah. hope, you can, hope you can use it too, John. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I know you. I hope I know you in five years.
1: I same same, and I I think you know. Honestly, we we could we could sit here and we could talk for hours. Like we're gonna have to do around two because <laughs> th- these conversations just lead to so many more questions. I, I I wanna I think what you're what you're advocating for is really important. I think you're 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 kind of giving people clarity on really difficult um, questions. You know what I mean? Uh, which is tough to do in a sixty second Instagram post. It's really right. hard. Which is why like I love these podcasts. Um, just because there's there's no time limit on it and we can kind of really get deep with it. But I, I got one more question for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's if you could have a billboard to reach millions or billions of people just, you know, tons and tons of people, non commercial, not not to make any money or anything just to get a message out. What would your billboard say? stay crispy stay crispy man. so uh what what does that mean tell us
2: (laughs) it's really like it's fun it it was something that we kind of does like when I was younger it meant like you look sharp right you Mm -hmm. look but it was something it was like hey that like if you come out in a you know, one of those wife-beater shirts, little gold chain. You know, you had some Z Cavaricci or some 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 Jordache jeans, or whatever we were back then, with some pro Protec, <laughs> right? And you would kujing and say, "Hey man," or, or you came out with a nice sharp shirt. You go, "Hey man, that, that shirt is crispy, man. You look mm-hmm. you look crispy." And it just kind of took on its own thing because I was saying I would say it to my guys, they kind of liked. I think young players they like the idea of a grown man, like, like not having to act like a grown man right like yeah. and not in a way of that's like a leadership thing because great leaders i found um
1: they also know how to
2: follow right mm-hmm. they know how to be good followers um one of the one of the um the best characteristics that i've heard of from from what leaders do is they're great storytellers yeah right? they, they they can paint a picture and and have somebody visualize something and so so I feel like that, that's one of the things with the stay crispy thing was just kind of like um, when, we, when you go out on the field, when you show up here, you better show up crispy, like belt tucked in. And listen, and I don't want, because people sometimes get the wrong impression. They think, oh, this guy's just trying to be friendly with players and trying to make mm-hmm. them laugh. That ain't it. You can ask some of the players, the player feedback. Yeah. You, don't, you miss a sign. If you miss a sign when that, that's when we're in the middle of a game, you are coming out of the game. And then you're going to, I mean, there's, there, there's definitely things that, that go on. If you show up not on time, you're not playing. If you show up in slides and like socks with shorts on, not, not, you not looking like a baseball player. It's not a good look. Like I'm still old school and purist in, uh, in the way that I want guys to present themselves. Like not just on the field. What, what I want guys that my guys to take pride in when they step out the door, that their hair is like perfectly combed over, like a shark fin. You know, they brush their teeth. They they present every single thing is like handshakes. Like if I, if a kid comes to me and gives me a handshake that is like not strong and solid, I'm gonna talk to him about it. I'm gonna be like, yo, that that does not play. That will not play. You know what I mean? At any level, you 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 can't not look me in the eye when you say hello to me. Whether it's a pound and a hug and how you doing, coach, or how's your day going today? Good to see you. If you're going to look down in the ground and be like, yeah, what's up? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't have any, any, um, um, like <clears throat> problem, like starting from scratch when guys come in, like, this is how you shake somebody's hand. Literally. Well, well I thought we were playing baseball. Nope. Can't play baseball until you know how to shake somebody's hand.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's attention to detail, right? I mean, the, the players that keep progressing and keep progressing, they have that level of detail. They have the scrubbing bubbles for their, for their shoes. Do you need clean shoes to be a great baseball player? No, but it's attention to detail. It's taking pride in, in smaller things that other people might overlook.
2: Yeah. And, like when, when, when you take a round of BP, mm-hmm. right. And you're 13 or 14, do you just walk out of the cage and say nothing? And you say, Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for the round coach. Yeah. That's different. Kids don't aren't. I feel like kids are, are. There's so many different ways you can slide in really good things about life w- without having to focus all your energy on baseball, baseball, baseball. While we're doing all this stuff, we should be interacting. I I need to be interacting and teaching the skills that matter when a kid go gets a job and when he's done playing baseball, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, this is. This is fun. I, we, we're going to have to do a round two eventually because yeah, I, have, I have notes and more questions and we got so much more to talk about. Um, but tell us, tell us, you know, what's next? Where can people find you? Where can people support you? Um, you know, go for it.
2: You know, I, I, I started with just Instagram and that's where I stayed. I know like uh, my friend, you know, Josh Shapiro over at Baseball Lifestyle. He's always yeah. trying to tell me, He's always said, hey, you got to get on Twitter and t- <laughs> do some TikTok stuff and do this and that. Um, I tried TikTok and my head almost melted. Uh, my brain melted. So I said, man, you know what? It's not for me. I got I got a, you know, um, got a wife that, that that we're expecting like you. Congratulations. You're six-month-old, right? You got a yep. six-month-old? Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank yeah, you. I
2: got, I got one boy coming on March 30th. This So a couple of weeks. Uh, no, two months. What's today? January. No, today's what? February
1: it's february yep january's long gone we're we're done with January.
2: too much you're gonna have a little dj ferbs running around here we're gonna send him some plate crate hats (laughs) we'll
1: hook it up for sure
2: so so yeah i i it's just instagram um that's that that's that's where i'm at i don't do twitter or the other stuff i just try to stay in my lane and just do what i do and and um if anybody ever wants to dm or reach out or say hello i'm happy to follow back i'm not one of these guys that's like worried about like what's my ratio of followers or nothing. I just, if you're cool and, and, you, and you love baseball, you know, you still follow and that's it.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again. This was, I mean, I can't, I just can't say enough. It's a blast. It's so much yeah. fun to talk to you. Um, everyone that's listening, I hope you got a ton out of this episode and you go follow Coach Ferber and you just keep learning and be self-aware and and most importantly, stay crispy.
2: <laughs> yeah, stay crispy out there, playboys. Good to see you, Josh. Appreciate
1: awesome, those. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Spotlight by Play Crane. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W
0: is in the books.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, take care.